0: To support this podcast, go to positive slash donate Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positive slash donate Thank you and enjoy the program. Are you trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? local? Jay here, positive sarcasm.com. Find me on Twitter at POS sarcasm, although I don't stream on there or stream. Anyways, yeah, find me on Twitter if you want. You don't have to. At P.O.S. Sarcasm. uh, Instagram, at positive underscore sarcasm. Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. LinkedIn by my regular name. Uh, If you want to stream the podcast live every Wednesday, normally every Wednesday, uh, you go to twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one. Don't forget the uno. So you can find me on all social media. You can stream me live on Twitch. You can Q&A with me through facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. You can send me questions also through my website at positivesarcasm.com. Uh, you can just hit the contact button there, and you can send the messages there. You can message me through all social media and stuff. You can ask me Q&A right through the chat app on Twitch. You can do all that stuff. You can do anything you want. Because this is America. America? This is America. Um, also, uh, yeah, so we're going to review three movies this week. Three. One's really good. One's decent. One's not that good. We'll do them worst of first. How about that? Yeah. A pattern. A pattern. Just like me. I'm I'm all kinds of patterns. I have a pattern of fucking up. Hmm. Coffee this week, full cafe bustello. No decaf inserted. Just straight bustello. Two cups podcast style. All black baby. Uh just like my future. Uh I also want to take a moment to thank the uh ride apps uh uber and lyft how long have they been out when was when did when did they come out let me check uber established let's find out It's been let's see uh ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. established march of 2009 so you realize 10 years ago if you had to get somewhere and you didn't have a car or access to a vehicle or you didn't have a rickshaw or bus service you had to call a cab. Ta- you had to call a cab, a taxi, you know, a yellow vehicle that somebody else drove, and usually didn't smell very good. Now, if you're in New York City, no big deal. You just put your right hand up or left hand, you know. I have no preference. And you know, three ca- three taxi cabs will come crashing right into you, and you usually had to give them cash. But now it's like, I. I It's amazing Lily. within when you go back and think about it, it's been 10 years, 10 years and how everything has changed. And I'm very curious to see where we're going to be going in the next few years. But I mean, if you followed last week's podcast, um, I told you about the hit and run that was on my vehicle. And now I don't have one at this time. I kind of let the insurance situation play out, which never works out in, in people's favors generally. Never got the guy, never caught the piece of shit who did it. I'm assuming it's a guy. I'm just going to go ahead and assume it was a fucking guy. Um, you know, women crash too. I don't want to discriminate. But uh, yeah, the dude hit the car, took off, and never saw him again. And uh, I'm got the, sh- I'm getting the shaft for it. So thank you. Um, if you guys want to support my, my Uber bill, you can go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, and you can donate any amount you appreciate. Also, you can also donate through paypal.me slash Just It's up to you. They're both available. So I'm working things out. i probably got another month, maybe. I think. I don't know. At this point, do I even want to really own a fucking car again? I'm so burnt out. I've had one, two, three convertibles. I already told you about. I've had three convertibles in my life. Um, and I've had fun in all of them, honestly. If I had, like, a regular really nice car, like a Infiniti G35, you know, nothing crazy, like an 06, maybe, with, like, nice black leather interior... I'd be more than happy to drive around as with a backup car, like a an, a nineteen eighty nine white Chrysler Baron convertible. That was as long as it was clean, I'd be cool with that. I wouldn't I wouldn't care. I'd be happy with a cool like a backup convertibles, as long as they're clean, they ha, they they're just long enough or they're just classing enough, you can have them as a summer car and you're totally fine. But if that's like your primary car, you're kinda like a you're kinda like a strung out, you know nick nolte 48 hours type of character uh, so you got to have like that primary car in order to have that that little ragtop top on the side uh, so but if you're going to have a, a convertible as your primary vehicle it's got to be you know a sweet ride you know a little bit newer within like 10 to 15 years um that you know that can well in my case handle snow so yeah that's my situation there um What else we got going on? I also want to talk about the I got got into it a little bit on LinkedIn of all places. I got into a beef on LinkedIn. Apparently, since I uh, deleted my Twitter app, I haven't been on Twitter uh, almost like maybe once or twice a day for I don't know like a grand total of maybe five minutes. So it's amazing just getting rid of the app how much my activity on there has decreased. And if I wasn't looking for you know certain uh, you know, cause obviously the first thing you do when you lose your vehicle, you start go looking for another one. And now Facebook marketplace has popped up and there's all kinds of cars and you, you click on this and you, you know, all that's, all that Facebook's doing is just trying to drag you in so it can pull more information out of you. When in the end of the day, you're just looking at the same shitty stuff over and over and over again. And, um, so my Twitter, uh, use has decreased. My Facebook use has decreased. My Instagram is... That's still the key. That one's kind of... Eh. Right now, I, I don't use it as much, and I'm trying to u- not use it even more. Uh, and also, I I do have an update about a very special project I've been working on. I finally have a chance. I'm going to unveil uh, some, some interesting details about it, so I do want to go into that uh, with you guys and let you know about the possible events... Or, excuse me. Yeah, event, but ev- events possibly that'll be coming up regarding this very special project and how I may be including... Um, other creators such as Polkin Productions uh, along with me for the ride because I want to create a network. Well, originally I had collaborators that come on and we kind of do things together or I I, I make them look good or they make me look good or whatever. But now I want to create an actual network in this area because I'm not going to do it in in Los Angeles. I'm not going to do it in New York because there's just so many other companies there and startups and networks there that Sure, it'd be cool to connect with them, but if I already have a big enough platform or a big enough network here in where I'm currently living, where everybody not necessarily goes through me but connects with me, if I'm connecting all of my people and there's people in Boston or people in New York, or people in LA, and they, they start tapping into what we're doing over here, I'll have much more resources to um, deploy or, or, or refer or recommend that makes us look better over here, like we're doing our own thing. You guys need us. We'll be here. We're far more organized because there's no organization, uh, as far as videographers and and independent creators here in the New England area per se. Boston is kind of still dog eat dog for the most part. I don't see a lot of cooperation. I think starting in New Ham- in New Hampshire, it's it's a small place. Most v- creators are unknown. So I think it'd be important if we all came together. We could be of of use, all of our talents. You know, for example, you know, John's got good. uh, Turcotte's got good gear. He's got really good gear. He's got a great camera. He has a lot of awesome ideas. He's a good script writer. Um, Jared is very good at video editing. He has very quirky ideas. He's better at graphic detail and special effects than I am. And then me overall, I have the platform. I have the company. You know, I can. I can do that stuff, and then I have my hands, and of course the gear, the traveling, the video editing, and the creative process. So we come together, we create a network, we bring in more people, actors, idea people, whatever you can think of, and put all that stuff together. And that's what maybe maybe we'll start filming commercials together. I don't know, we'll see. But we bring each other together, and we start prospecting, prospecting, prospecting from there. So, and at this point right now, I'm kind of in a mental funk. I'm in an emotional funk due to the situation because when you're kind of stuck, you try, you know, it's, you kind of start pulling your hair out. Um, Luckily for me, I have all my hair. My hair is perfectly intact and I don't have that issue, but yeah, you just, you kind of try to stay motivated any way you can. Um, but thankfully I did have this project that I've been working on and, and now finally I, I have a chance to unveil uh, a lot of the details about it. So, but yeah, I wanted to say, you know, thanks to Uber and thanks to Lyft for kind of really helping me out. You know, it's not like I'm paying for gas money, but now I'm down, I'm paying somebody else, but believe me, it helps. Hmm. Bustelo. So yeah, thanks to them. Uh, so, Okay, before we get into the movie reviews, I want to talk about this. This I don't get into politics, but I do get into like the silly shit. The silly shit's funny to me, such as a, there was a situation on LinkedIn where they were talking about. Well, let's see, I'm gonna roll up on this. Roll up. It was regarding uh, gender pay gaps shrink when companies are required to disclose them. So basically, if a company, if you're if you work at a company. You uh, and the company is required or or discloses your your paycheck, you know, is that do you consider your your money that you make at a company, whether it's a private company or a public company? Do you consider it public? Would you want it to be public? I don't know. That's a discussion, a discussion for something else entirely. Okay, that's for you know pay disclosure. They're arguing if that, their argument is, roughly, if you're, you can quote me if I'm wrong, if we disclose pay the gender pay gap shrinks that's the st- the study they're finding i'm like and then i i was like okay well let's look at the data now according normally it, i where the data comes from i get sketchy so if it comes from like the new york times or comes from the new yorker or or the slate or salon.com or hell even fox news anything that has a sketchy past of trying to manipulate the data to better serve them or an agenda, I throw. I, I pour, you know, heavy grains of salt on there. Um. This one came from Harvard, the Harvard Business School, or whatever the hell it is. Now, hold on, I'm pouring another. Oh no! Down goes the water. Uh, Harvard. Uh, shouldn't be talking any shit right now. The fact is, is Harvard is under pop uh, very much. A lot of scrutiny regarding the whole Asia thing if you don't know what the whole Asia thing is is they are allegedly discriminating uh, against Asian students when it comes to enrollment guidelines because uh, generally a lot of the stereotypically Asian kids score very well on tests their their enrollment value is high they're smart they're disciplined so they are they get in there's but apparently um harvard is discriminating against them using discriminatory practices such as personality tests anything like that in general so they're being investigated and harvard has some they're in the area in the northeast where woke politics are kind of in effect i don't want to get into that too much but i know that it's harvard is sketchy as fuck for the most part and i was like i don't know if i want to believe this article number one i don't believe in the gender pay gap i think it's for the most part, bullshit. So I basically said, look, I'm not gonna, I'm discrediting Harvard for the study simply the fact, simply for the fact that they're discussing a topic that isn't real. And if it is real, the actual facts will blow your mind. So, obviously I got discredited, my argument was discredited because of the fact I'm a male. Because, of course, men don't know anything. Um. So I went and I said, okay, who has the actual data? Does anybody have the actual data? Does anybody bother to look up actual data anymore? So I went and looked it up, obviously. you know, I got to fact check some things. If I'm going to open my big stupid mouth on a place like LinkedIn, I better have my facts straight. Well, there's the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The Bureau of Labor Statistics does all kinds of data, all kinds of sur- uh, s- surveys every year. Okay, They compile all kinds of shit. Now, let's just put it in perspective here. If you have let's say you hire males and females, okay? And they have obviously they all have supervisors, right? Now, in a corporate company generally doesn't whether it's a male or a female that's in the CEO role, the position or the higher ups, the higher high, the senior executives, they're the ones who decide what stat? not what staff get paid, but whether or not there's going to be a raise next year. Whether or not there's going to be raises, whether or not, how much the raises are going to be percentage-wise. And what departments are, uh, have it allocated in the budget to give them out. So if you have one department that's allocated to get raises, then that department's going to get raises. Cool. Does it matter if it's a male or female? Yes and no. Because they have different work ethics generally speaking, but that's fine. That's another discussion, not an argument, another discussion for another day. The people who actually are getting the raises or getting the pay or getting hired at a certain pay rate, who's making the decisions on how much they get paid and how much their raises are going to be? Well, in the health field, the healthcare field, which is over 7 million U.S. jobs, okay? 75% 75% of supervisors in that in the healthcare field are female. 75%. That's, that's roughly. So between 74.23 and 76-something are female. Supervisors are the ones who give out the reviews. So on a one-to-five-star rating, basically, that's how they do it in a lot of corporate worlds. If they do that, they're the ones who are deciding if you should get a raise, and then they are quantifying how much... You will be getting, and seventy-five percent of those female, of those employees in the healthcare field, eighty percent of healthcare, eighty percent of healthcare employees are female, and seventy-five percent of the healthcare employees are uh, supervisors are female. So it's here's what I'm getting at. Most likely, it's chick on chick, okay. The person who is either deciding your pay as to basically whether or not you want to take the job at that pay raise or or whatnot, the person who's hiring you is most likely female. The person who's doing your review is most likely female. The most person who's most likely giving you or not giving you or how much they're giving you for pay is female. Do you see what I'm getting at? Hmm? I hope you do. I hope you do. Let me just check on one second. One second. Testing. Okay. Um. So. Okay. (sighs) Been a rough week. Sorry. Okay. So. If did you just digest any of that shit that I just gave to you? If there is a gender pay gap. If there indeed is, in that in in just that field, that's eighty percent women, with seventy five percent of them being supervisors. If you are getting screwed, who's to blame? It can't be men. Do you, you see what I'm getting at? Do you, do you see? Do you see what I'm getting at? Okay, um. Just wanted to. Clarify that to you. That if you are and that's just that field. There are other fields, and here's my actual quote. The actual truth, according to the Bureau of Labour Statistics, will melt everyone's brain. Seven million US jobs are healthcare. Around seventy-five percent of supervisors in healthcare are female. Other large employment categories, such as HR, social services, and way more, but there's about three or four more of the categories are between 65 and 70% female supervisors. So 80% of of healthcare employees are female. Decision makers may certainly still be a majority of men, but supervisors give the reviews and decide your paycheck. I'm trying to tell you that the gender pay gap, it's not a gender issue, or maybe it is, but in a different way. If there's a gender pay, if there's a gender issue when it comes to paychecks, talk to your boss, because if it's women hating on other women, then I don't know what to tell you. That's a whole other ball of wax. Now, would it be even? Would it be more even if the ba- that there was a little more balance? Maybe there was more male supervisors. I don't know, because. According to Jordan Peterson and most clinical psychologists, men are more interested in things and women are more interested in people. So, are you going to try to encourage more men to join in healthcare? A lot of women are doctors. Way more women are going to health, uh, you know, clinical schools, joining practices, going into the workforce in healthcare industries. It, it It attracts them more because it fits more into their balance, their comfort level, their plans for life. They have more plans for life, where men are just like, fuck it. And healthcare jobs are easy to get, believe it or not. You can walk into any uh, patient service center or secretarial section and get a job. That's the truth, yo. So, who's to blame in this situation? Especially in HR, human resources is all women. Social services, all women. Healthcare, all women. Because you're dealing with people. So if you're dealing with all people, you're going to be dealing with women. If it's engineering, well, guess what? Most likely men. Because men are more interested in things. Objects. That's just biological. I just, I hate to break it to you, but that's just biological. It's built in. So the gender wage gap, I hate to break it to you, it's bullshit. When it comes to blaming men for it, it's bullshit. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. All right? Are you going to tell me that the Bureau of Labor Statistics is sexist or bigoted or whatever woke words you want to fucking use? I just... Don't blame me. Okay? Every time I got hired... Okay... Every time I got hired in in a healthcare industry, I was interviewed by the majority of them women. Most of my bosses that I ever had were women. Most of the raises that I've either been given or turned down were women. So, what do you want me to do? What would you have want me to do, have done back then? And most likely my answer to you is no. Fuck it. Fuck you. I'm not doing it cuz I didn't do anything wrong. And it's not like I didn't go out of my way to do something right. It's just the facts of the matter. People are hired under certain pretenses. They either accept the they either accept the task or they don't. Depending upon who's giving out the money or who's allocating the budget for that department, that then decides who's getting money. As far as a group, then as far as which individual, that depends on your supervisor. There you have it. Okay? HR, human resources, social services, and healthcare. How many fucking jobs is that in the U.S.? 10, 20, 30, 40 million jobs? I don't know. Go look that shit up. I've done my job. 7 million people work in healthcare. Okay? So, that's what I got for you on that. I, I'm, I'm annoyed at the fact that this comes out, and I had so much backlash regarding it. Yes, the backlash was all women, but it was only two. It was only two, okay? It was just two women. One of them happened to work in HR. Just wanted to let you know that. So, that being aside, I would like to discuss it more with somebody of more intelligence, and normally I don't go down the rabbit hole too much with this stuff. But the fact is, is that I, I checked. I knew what I was looking for. And I had a really strong feeling that I knew what I would find. And indeed, I found it. Because you know why? I'm not fucking stupid. I know what I need to survive. In order, As far as food, nutrients, workload, pay donations, I, I know what I need. So, I'm not going to turn it, I, I'm not expect. I'm also not expecting anybody to take care of me. Alright, I'm not looking for no sugar mama. Okay? I'm not looking for any of that stuff. So, I got to do it all by myself. So, I know what I need. Anything less, I can't survive. Well, then there you have it. If I intend on surviving, not just surviving, but Feeling good, looking good, and moving forward. Then I have to have I have to set a benchmark of what I need, a set of standard of what I need to make or accrue or afford or whatever. Okay, I, can can I any other words I want to throw in there? Did I get the Did I fucking tell you? Did you get the point? Can we move on? Because now I'm just going. I'm kind of just wandering off into the forest. My pants around my ankles, and I don't have any more facts for you. But I hope you get the clue. I hope you get the hint. I hope you get the point. Caller number seven, we're done here. Okay? So, anybody who thinks the gender wage gap is all men's fault, or in any way, shape, or form men's fault, you an idiot. Okay? Go buy your fucking Gillette razors. We're done. here. Anyway. Um... I do have some movie reviews if you'd like to uh, listen to those. Uh, yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv positive sarcasm one, you can ask me Q&A on anything. You can go through my Facebook page. You can Q&A me through. No, I don't know that person. Fuck off. And uh, Yeah, you can go through all my social media and Q&A me through there. Or you can just hit the chat section at uh, twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one, positive sarcasm one, and you can uh, send me questions there. I'm on my second cup of coffee. I still feel flat and shitty due to the fact that I really can't go anywhere at this time. But we'll move on. Because, you know, that's what we got to do. So, I got three movies for you. We're going to start with Pacific Rim Uprising. Pacific Rim was a movie made around 2014, 2014. Definitely 2014. A movie about giant fighting robots. Kind of like Transformers, only bigger. That fight the kaiju which are these interdimensional, uh, interdimensional child molesters, interdimensional monsters, aliens, that travel through a portal in the ocean, and they attack U.S. cities. Uh, so we built these giant fighting mech warrior robots to fight back. And the first one was good in terms of its action. plot line was decent. Humor was good. It was uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro. He directed uh, *Shape of*. Wa- he was in- he helped with *Shape of Water*. He also did *Hellboy*. He did a couple of other movies as well. Mm-hmm. He did a few of the movies as well. Very good director. All right. That was a good movie. Barely it barely crossed over though to the, the hundred million dollar domestic, uh, gross market. So it grossed about a just barely a hundred million dollars in the U.S. So and then plus additional monies overseas and things like that. It was published by Legendary Pictures. Who's done a lot of great films, films. So let's see, Pacific Rim uprising They decided they're going to make a sequel. Uh, John Boyega is the main character. If you don't know who John Boyega is, you can watch, uh, you can, <laughs> you can watch uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and you can avoid Star Wars: The Last Jedi. He is the main character. He's he's one of the leading characters in that those movies, and he's the main character in Pacific Rim Uprising. 2018 flick, PG-13. Here's the problem. Problems, plural. All right. The action in this movie is a little more cartoony. Even though in the first one, it was definitely a fantastical type of movie. This one gets a little more ridiculous. Number one, there's really no big actors in it besides the ones that were in it. Basically, it was less of them. Okay, The dude from Sons of Anarchy wasn't in it. The two scientists were in it. Yay, great. Uh, Idris Elba dies in the first one. Spoiler alert! Uh, so, yeah, he's not in this one. And then one of the other chicks, the main Asian chick from this movie, she dies halfway through. Spoiler alert. Doesn't matter. You're not going to watch it. So, yeah. So, <laughs> we're, needless to say, this movie's not heading to a solid conclusion. Now, the special effects are cool. You know, this movie could have been good. It could have been just as good as the first one. That's the one thing, like, when I, when I watched 300 and then I watched 300 Rise of an Empire, Rise of an Empire really could have been a terrible movie. That's the thing. It wasn't even directed by Zack Snyder, but 300 Rise of an Empire could have been a really shitty movie. That was one of those movies you watch and you go, I don't know. I don't know. But that actually turned out to be a really good flick, believe it or not. So, um, but for some reason, they they focused a lot on character development, the action, they did it right. They gave it a slightly different tone. They didn't just try to copy the first one. They put it all together in a manner that I quite enjoyed, and it turns to be almost as good as the original 300. So, I enjoyed the hell out of it. And they followed the plot line very similarly to the setup of the first one, and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Even though it's not a sequel, it kind of rides along the same timeline. They could have done this with the Pacific Rim Uprising. But apparently what they're doing, and this ties into the movie Transformers 5, which was, in my opinion, the worst movie, movie I saw of 2018. In theaters, anyways. Um, i It's definitely a toss-up between that and Justice League, as far as the worst movies I've seen. Justice League was fucking terrible, and so is Transformers 5. But apparently with Transformers 5, and with Pacific Rim Uprising, what they're doing is Chinese Chinese firms, Chinese companies are buying a lot of these uh, movie firms so that they can get a wider... Because when obviously when you sell a movie uh, in China, China, they make a shit ton of money, okay? Because obviously, in case you haven't noticed, there's a lot of people in China, okay? Um, and they love American... We love American films. Um, that's not a Chinese uh, accent, by the way. So... But they make a lot of money out there. So they're obviously trying to skew a little bit to getting it into the Chinese market. But Chinese firms are also buying these companies as well and producing a lot of these movies as well. So then the balance of characters is kind of thrown off. The uh, movie tends to cater plot-wise and all other things towards Chinese movies, towards Chinese audiences. And you start to lose that American flair or European flair or whatever. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is when when the movie production company is mostly Chinese, and the movie trends tends to uh, tends to skew towards a more Chinese audience, the movie starts to suck. Okay. I hate to break it to you, but Transformers Five was one of the shittiest fucking movies I ever saw. And Pacific Rim Uprising um, plays more like a Power Rangers movie. Okay. It's just that. It's just that it really is. It's a, it's just a, a xerox copy version of the original, which had a little bit of heart, had charm, had awesome action, great noise, and was all around a fun film for to go see in the movie theaters or to play very loudly on your seventy five inch Mitsubishi TV. It's the second movie was just a two hour fart sound, and I would completely avoid it altogether, in any way, shape, or form. It was just a terrible movie. I really don't know what else to say to it. I know probably John—I don't know if John Boyega got his, you know, got the jump point from— Well, no, apparently he didn't. I guess that was one of those movies where he was going to collect an easy paycheck uh, while he was doing Star Wars. But this was a terrible movie. And like I say, always say, I don't blame the actors and actresses, okay? I really don't. But I will blame the director. I will blame the producers, the screenplay writer the uh, produ- the production companies behind the making of the movie because this movie cost like $150 million to make and it made about $50 million American gross. So guess what? It's a pile of shit. Guess what piles of shit get on, on fucking positive sarcasm.com Two stars. Okay? It's redeemable qualities, pretty decent special effects, some okay scenes, um, and some likable characters, but for the most part, this is like a bad version of Power Rangers, and that's bad enough. So, it's a bad movie. I wouldn't waste my time. It's hour and 51 minute running time. It's junk. There. I don't know how much time I've wasted on that. Personally, I'd rather go back into the gender wage gap pool and fucking dive into that some more than deal with this crap. So, I'm done with that. And right now, I, I think my podcast, I gotta change my settings, but I'm gonna deal with that later oh christ anyways so pacific rim two stars uprising yeah i'm all set all right this one is interesting uh american made american made is 2017 uh starring tom cruise okay this is, it, this is actually based on a true story. But actually, according to Doug Lyman, Doug Lyman was the director. He, uh, Him and Tom Cruise uh, started getting after it in the movie Edge of Tomorrow. You may also know it as Live, Die, Repeat. That was a really good movie, a very underrated movie, and a good movie to watch in the movie theaters. That was a fun-ass movie. That's where him and Doug Lyman got to know each other. They teamed up for this movie, American Mid. Based on a true story, but... Doug Lyman calls it a fun lie based on a true story. So it's based on the life of Barry Seal, a uh, pilot slash um, arms and drug smuggler. So he's a gun runner uh, um, for the CIA, I think. I don't know. I, have to read, I had to read. I had to read a lot into this. And uh, yeah, he was part of the whole Iran con, not a um, not Iran Contra, but yeah, he was. All in the late 70s, early 80s, that whole mess up between us and South America, the Medellin Cartel, which was run by Pablo Escobar. He was part of that whole shit show. He used to work for Pan Am. Uh, Rumors that he was running, uh, he was doing illegal activities back for the CIA in the late, early 70s. Then he started running drugs, started running guns. He was doing all kinds of weird shit. Now, there's there's a lot around this movie that's fact that's fiction interesting uh, developments at the end of the movie it's a good movie it is a good movie it follows a lot of the similar plot line uh, where you know a guy kind of down in his luck maybe he's got kids along the way he's got a family he's kind of bored with life so he meets up with a guy and he starts making money on the side that isn't really legal and then you know he gets a lot of it so he starts hat he's got everything he's got it all and then the next thing you know he's got too much money so he starts Getting gaudy and burying money in the backyard, and then other uncontrollable, you know, forces come into play, and then it starts. One thing happens, and it starts to pile on and creates a chain reaction. His life starts falling apart, and then random shit starts to happen, and then his whole empire comes down. And then he's got to cut a deal with some government agency, and then while he's going to do that government agency's favor for him, he gets fucked in the ass, and then it basically to his scar his Scarface type of downfall. It's the same formulaic plotline that you've seen in a lot of these American, uh, what do you call them, um, American Dream stories like Scarface. Um, you know, it's got that same type of feel. And, yeah, it's the same downfall. But it's based on a true story, even though the majority of it is a flat-out lie. But it's actually a great movie. And, you know, obviously Tom Cruise, he, he can't go. He, very difficult, well, except for that Mummy movie, apparently. But he really can't go wrong. He's a great actor. Loves what he does. He's got a strong work ethic. Um, he's, he's, he plays a great Barry Seal overall. And the characters in the movie are fantastic. Like There's a lot of great acting involved. Doug Lyman is definitely one of the premier directors out there right now. Like If you could attach him to uh, any movie, um, you'd be in good shape, I would think. As long as you have a good uh, production company, a lenient production company behind you, you have good screenplay writers behind you, and you've got a decent production budget, I think Doug Lyman is going to do you very well as far as what movies you come with. Hell, you can put him on the Terminator series and I think you do very well. And that's a movie, that's a series that definitely needs um, either to be laid to rest or brought back up to life significantly. Not with just some badass shit like they've been putting out the last 10 years. I'm rambling. Anyways. Uh, So, some of the things that, yes. Number one, Tom Cruise is a certified pilot. He's an actual qualified pilot. He flies a P-51 Mustang. He's been flying one for uh, over over 10 years. So he did a lot of his own flying scenes. There is a scene, though, in the movie where he crash lands in a suburban neighborhood. That actually, in real life, with Barry Seal did not happen, okay? There's a lot in this movie that did not happen, okay? So we'll go to what's fact and what's fiction with this movie. All right. Uh, the real life Barry Seal apparently, according to uh, investigative journalism, he apparently may have joined up with the CAA much, much earlier than was actually called the question. Did he work for TWA? TWA, if you don't know, uh, yeah, they were used to be they used to be an airline. They used to be a very big airline. Uh, you can look them up, but most likely you'll find you'll pull up something from T TWA. It's called Flight 800. Uh, they never landed in one piece. So, yeah, he in the movie he quits, but in reality he was actually fired by TWA. Um, somebody, climb my driveway? Nope, no such luck. Um, so yeah, apparently he joined up with the CIA much earlier than was anticipated in the movie. Uh, let's see, let me go through this. The real life Seal seems to have joined up with the CIA much earlier. The late investigative journalist Alexander Cockburn contended that Seal first came into contact with the CIA in the '60s as a special forces helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Ain't me. It ain't me! An unfortunate no son maintained links with them through the TWA years. Other accounts suggest that his links might have gone back as far as the Bay of Pigs. Not a crook. Uh and then, although the film suggests Seal was just an excitement loving plot pilot who got swept up in espionage at the time. That's how the movie kind of portrays him. <clears throat> Eight years later, he had attempted to fly 1,300 pounds of plastic explosive to some anti-Castro Cuban, Cubans based in Mexico when he was arrested by the Customs Service. And far from resigning from TW in 1978 to pursue this more exciting inspired, inspired he was actually fired, like I said, he was fired in 1974 for falsely claiming medical leave when he was actually absent due to weapons trafficking. He escaped prosecution only because the CIA intervened, starting a trial that would threaten national security. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So, yeah, he was in this shit. Uh, in the sea, the gorilla, he was a good old boy from Louisiana. The movie generally the movie starts in, in Louisiana, and then he has to flee the area due to the cops. They're going to raid his house. In reality, though, the cops never actually raided his house. In the movie, they do. In reality, they didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyways, they end up in a made-up town called Mina, or Me- Mina uh, in Arkansas. Hooray, Arkansas. You know it's from Arkansas, do you? Uh, uh, and yeah, so that goes on. I- in real life, uh, one person's comment the blah, blah, blah guerrilla movements in these Central American countries are primary reaction to brutal dictatorships. Nobody gives a shit about that part. Oliver Stone, nobody cares. An American seal. Seal. Now, it is a good movie. You should watch it. I'm just pointing out some of the facts versus the fiction. An American made seal is just minding his own business, refueling his plane in Colombia, in 1980, when he is bundled into a car. Yeah, there's a scene basically in the movie where he gets he's fueling his plane up like a gas station, you know, fill up regular. And a truck shows up with three cartel members in it. They say, Hi, get in the car, motherfucker. He goes over there, he meets one of he meets three businessmen, one of them, Pablo Escobar. Look him up. He's famous. He invented the cheeseburger. Um, so yeah, they needed to get their drugs, of course, across the border, they were getting caught, and they needed somebody to pilot them in. So, what's his face agrees, and he started dropping cocaine, cocaine, uh, into the bayou, and they would have pickup agents there. In real life, though, according to the statements of the DEA, SEAL was smuggling marijuana around 19, as early as 1976, and began smuggling cocaine in 1978, well before any contact with the cartel. So heard he he was already doing this shit. So it's in the movie he's made out to be like uh, um, like this anti-hero just trying to do right by his family and gets caught up in it. When in real life he was actually piece of shit. Okay. He was arrested in Colombia. Film has Seal becoming buddies with the cartel Kingpins after forming lucrative partnerships, after partying with them, blah blah blah. Titties. Kingpin plus Seal are thrown in jail while the Colombians walk free the next day, Seal until Schaefer gets him out. Schaefer was the CIA agent that got him involved in the movie to do all kinds of shit. Uh, running guns, basically, to um, some freedom farters. fighters, Freedom farters. Uh, freedom fighters in Honduras or somewhere around there. Uh, let's see. Seal remains incarcerated until Schaefer gets him out. The agent later warns that Seal's a smuggler uh, for them to relocate, where agent provides Seal with not only a house, but an airfield. Yeah, in the movie, they give him a fucking airfield. A whole airfield. Wish somebody would give me an airfield. And a plane. No, I can't fly. In reality, Seal was arrested with 40 kilograms of cocaine. That's a lot of powder. And spent nine months in a hard in jail. Then he met Ochoa's, Ochoa's New Orleans business manager, who brought Seal into the Medellin Cartel in 1982. He became its chief link to cocaine markets in Southeast. Yabba, yabba, yabba. Okay, whatever. Fifty down. Okay, so that's fine. Supporting the Contras. So yeah, he was in. He was in deep. And apparently, he was in deep further, more selfishly. And far, farther back, way farther back than the movie actually appeared. So was he a good guy in the movie? Yes. In reality, piece of shit. Uh, did he quit TWA? No. He was fired. Was he smuggling guns? Yep. Was he smuggling cocaine? Yep. Was he smuggling smuggling a lot more than guns and cocaine? Yep. Uh, he was busted. The CIA abandoned. In the movie, the CIA abandoned SEAL. Hung him out to dry. get it, in the, in the movie, they show them basically burning all of his paperwork. You know, we don't know who the fuck the guy is. And right before the DEA, the ATF, and the FBI raid his his airport, in reality, the DEA busted seal for smuggling 200,000 quaaludes into Florida in 1983. If you don't know anything about fucking quaaludes, quaaludes can do all kinds of things. Quaaludes are also known as potential date rape drugs. Uh, if you ever watched the movie with, uh, what the hell's his name? Leonardo DiCaprio the that movie? Wolf of Wall Street. There's some famous scenes in there with Quaaludes. Um, he was smugg- He apparently smuggled 200,000. 200,000 into Florida. Uh, facing a 10-year stretch, he was desperate to make a deal, but the DEA wasn't interested, so he went above their head, apparently, to George H.W.'s task force. Because back then, they were doing that whole say no to drugs thing. That was Ronald Reagan's, one of his things back then say no to drugs so yeah that didn't work out and he tried to do it to basically get his sentence reduced so he does that he gets burned in some way shape or form and then in real life uh this actually happened basically i'll show me to scroll down to that part in the movie and in real life three men hired by pablo escobar he was doing uh community service work for uh salvation army and he was in his car, and three men walked up to his car, uh, shot him. And that was the end of Barry Seal. Good night, Barry. So, yeah, he'd he be dead. And, uh, yeah, so he got shot. In the movie at the end, though, it shows that he was making recordings and tapes and all kinds of other stuff, and, they, and he put all of it in the, in the trunk of his car. They didn't say anything in the, in this article here about whether or not that was actually true or not, but just confirming that, in fact, he was shot and killed. Uh, right outside the Salvation Army where he was doing community service for people now Doug now because Doug Lyman openly admits and says before that this movie was basically just based on this character that did exist and that basically he just you know played just basically played with the name and had fun with the name the the town that he lived in wasn't a real town. A lot of the things that he did didn't really weren't really real real uh Barry seal was not a good looking guy. Tom Cruise, pretty good-looking guy, I have to admit. Good-looking guy, right? What's he, like, 132 years old now? Does his own stunts, flies his own planes. Good for him. Can't hold out a marriage, but I'm not going to knock him for that. Ooh, burn. So, yeah. But as far as the lie is concerned, it's actually a very entertaining movie, okay? It kind of plays out. There are some scenes in there that you actually do quite enjoy. It's, it's more of a three-star flick, and since I don't give three-and-a-half stars, um. Yeah. It's it's your run of the mill, you know, American dream gone awry type of movie. And for that, I totally give it three stars. It, the rhythm is good. The, the even though they play with the plot in real life, it's a great. It's a it's a lot of fun to watch. It ends how you'd expect it to end. Okay. There's no real twists and turns with this movie. Um. There is an a character in here that in real life did not exist, but they threw him in the movie for, I guess, to kind of change the pace of the movie where it starts to go downhill. So they use that character as kind of the trigger to kind of set things off in a negative direction. So, uh, yeah, enjoyable movie, great for Netflixers, great for Amazon Primers, uh, Red Boxers, American Made starring Tom Cruise, current movie, three stars, totally check it out. I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, Tom Cruise, whatever you're doing, keep doing it, man. You're uh, you're an inspiration. Got a few dollars I can borrow. Need to buy a fucking car. Uh, okay. Freeloading. And what we else we got going on? Okay. Here's a movie. Okay. Okay. Isle of Dogs. You've probably never heard of it. But it was directed by a very quirky director. Isle of Dogs 2018 Animation Adventure Comedy. That's pretty much every Wes Anderson directed movie. Wes Anderson has done things like Life Aquatic, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, and yeah, a bunch of other shit that I probably haven't watched or I can't remember. Oh, Royal Tenenbaums, yeah, that he's that guy. He did actually a movie. Uh, what the hell was it? Um, something, some movie about a camp or some shit. I can't remember it, but it was a movie I enjoyed quite a lot. He's a very interesting. He's a very interesting director. He he his his special effects are weird. He's generally got the same cast of characters: Bill Murray somewhere in there, Jeff Goldblum somewhere in there, Edward Norton somewhere in there, Jason Schwartzman somewhere in there, Harvey Keitel. Oddly enough, is somewhere in there. They're just it, it's got the same you know moving parts for the most part. But this actually is a full animation movie. And what was it? We'll see. Uh, Isle of dog. Oh yeah, it's so great. Brian Cranston. He's one of the main actors in this movie as well. And it's kind of fun because when you're watching an animated movie, normally with Wes Anderson, you're watching, you see the characters, you know who is who. But there's something fun about watching cartoon or animated movies because you're like, whose voice is that? And then you're searching through your brain, trying to use your brain while the movie's moving along. I know that voice. Who is that? Who the fuck is that guy? So it's that is part of the fun. It kind of slows your brain down a little bit because the movie is still moving along and you're missing key stuff. But it's still fun to do that. This movie is basically about... It's set in Japan, following a boy's odyssey in search of his dog. So they ban all the dogs due to a virus, and they send all the dogs to uh, Trash Island. So they kick all the dogs out of the country, and they drop them on this island full of trash. And all the and it's they use uh, it's like papier mache or some shit, and it's called stop it stop motion animation. The movie's beautiful. It's an absolutely beautiful movie. I, and they say it's not a kid's movie. I would want kids to watch this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. I think they would be thoroughly entertained by it. Um, this is something that Pixar should actually take note of. This movie that didn't make a lot of money in the box office. It made like 60 million bucks. It really was not a full-blown blockbuster in any way, shape, or form. But it's got a lot of stars. It's highly recommended. I think it was fantastic. I think it's one of Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson is one of those ca- directors that kind of confuses me in a lot of ways. Um, he's probably more intelligent than I am. Not saying I'm stupid, but the way things are going in my life, that could be questioned. Um, so I thoroughly enjoyed the hell out of this movie, merely because it's just something different. Okay, it has a very run-of-the-mill type of plot. Okay, so it doesn't break any new ground there, but just the way it's the way it's cleverly made with the anim- the stop motion animation and the way the characters are being portrayed, I. I, I'm in love with it. I'm absolutely in love with it. It has it has the charm you're looking for in a movie like this. It is PG-13, so there's a little bit of gruff to it. There's a little bit of dirt under the fingernails. Uh, but it has a heartwarming... It, the characters are heartwarming. It is a lot of fun to watch. Um, I do recommend it for just about anybody. And there is... The, the main points of interest that, that would actually slow you down is the fact that the, that a lot of the characters, some of the characters actually do speak only in Japanese, okay? But all the dogs speak English. So you can understand everything that the dogs are saying. But the dogs have such interesting faces. They're, they, they're so unique to each other. And it, it it is, it it's, I have to say this. It's not a sad ending, okay? This movie makes you feel good. All right, this movie leaves you makes you want to cheer for the dogs. It makes you cheer for everything involved. Okay, uh, people doing the right thing. There's a lot of morals behind it. it. I don't know. I just I just like this movie, and I, I think one of the original podcasters that I used to sit down in this movie would approve because uh, Mark and Shane they would talk about Wes Anderson movies all the time, and this is the first one I actually sat down and watched independently uh, since the last one I watched independently which I can't remember the name of it, but hey, okay. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it from beginning to end. It's, and it's not a, and it's not a strain, it's not overly long. This movie is an hour and 41 minutes, okay? Which nowadays is like a short. But I thoroughly enjoyed the hell out of it. And it's got 7.9 on IMDb. I don't give a shit what Rotten Tomatoes says. But I th- totally enjoyed it. I recommend it to anybody. If you just want to watch a light movie, whatever day it is, it doesn't matter. I would sit down and watch it. I give it four out of five stars. I just I, I loved watching it. It was such a great movie. Um, it's called Isle of Dogs. I S L E of Dogs. And the reason it's called Isle of Dogs is because when you kind of sound that out, it's I love dogs. Get it? I have dog? Okay. Boy, I'm not with it this morning. This morning? This evening? Whatever bucket um so yeah uh once again pacific rim two stars burn it american made three stars pretty good isle of dogs loved it four stars absolutely go see it if you want to review more or check out more movie recommendations or movie reviews you can go to positive sarcasm.com and click on the movie review section and there's over 400 titles there of movies i've watched or tolerated throughout my years of existence and you can uh, ask me to review or look at any movies that you want, and uh, I'll try to you know, get to them or whatnot. There is a lot of hubbub uh, behind the new Marvel movies that are coming out, whether or not Captain Marvel is going to be good or not, or is it too woke or something like that. I don't know. I'm not getting – I don't know. I, I have no idea. I'm not going to get outraged. So far, I've enjoyed just about all the Marvel movies. I'm looking forward to Captain Marvel. I hope it's going to be a good movie, and I hope it leads very well into the new Infinity uh, Endgame movie. So I'll just i wait and see. I'm not going to pass judgment on it. I hope it does well. I hope it's a really good movie. It needs to be, especially if she's going to be one of the strongest characters in the MCU universe as far as Marvel heroes. I hope it's good. So, anyways. I just finished a very important project here. We're going to finish up with this. About a month ago, I was approached by um, a non-profit organization called Southern Sudan Hope. Right now in South Sudan... South Sudan is a country that is literally eight years old. Okay? Eight years old. literally. lay. I wish I could attach this this contact this I wish I could attach this subject to a better podcast in the future, because this podcast sucks. But we're gonna roll with it anyways, because I need something good to lay my hat on. I was approached about a month or two ago regarding this project. It literally just landed on my doorstep. I said, okay, give me all the footage you have. I'll see what I can do with it. 45 to 50 video files. Normally when I do a vlog, it's between 150 and 250 video files. This was 50. The footage was terrible. We're talking non-HD, all fucking screwed up. I'm like, what am I going to do with this stuff? Well, we are planning to showcase this documentary along with an introduction and an hour-long uh, uh, sit-down with Q&A at an 800-seat theater in about three weeks, four weeks. I just finished the the first draft of the five minute video that goes along with it, with just fifty videos to work with, fifty you know video pieces, and I also went out of my way to do um, voiceover work because they speak in Arabic. Okay, I'm like, well, I don't speak Arabic, so how the fuck am I gonna translate this? Well, I figured it out. I had I had somebody sit down. And basically do the voiceover work with with me or for me. It's not easy. I had to really piece it together, but I made it work. So I have this thing coming out. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a final review with some of my, you know, collaborators, and then I'm gonna uh, showcase it for the Southern Sudan Hope team. If they like it, we're gonna get it. We're gonna insert it into the actual presentation that's gonna take place in late February. And when we lock all this information down, we will go ahead and post that up at Facebook.com, and we'll get that event stuff out to you guys, and you can actually purchase tickets to go see it. But we're it's, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we did the the voiceover work is done. I painstakingly crafted it out of basically nothing. I was left a pile of shit on my doorstep, and I turned it into something, you know. I think I think at this point, very digestible. Um. So And I also have to take into account how it's going to be interpreted. How my message in this art video is going to be interpreted. Basically, kids, kids on a plot of land that was purchased by the United Nations while these two countries possibly collapse around one another. Uh, Sudan, not liking its government. And South Sudan, basically needing one more war to kind of wipe out the old dudes so they can bring in the young people and kind of clean the place up, basically. I'm just concerned about how this is going to be... Because I don't, I knew nothing about South Sudan until I did all this about a month's worth of research to understand, get a better understanding of what was happening, the war, the war, the genocide, the tribes, the fact that they have like three or four vice presidents, you know, it's a mess. You know, silly, it's a young country, they're developing or they're trying to. All the politics were connected to that, so I'm trying to put that to, all that information together and how that, how this video is going to be interpreted by people in South Sudan if they see it. People in countries nearby in South Sudan, and just in general by my local audience. How are they going to interpret it? If it goes well, it'll be put into the screening at the Palace Theater, and then the Palace Theater, oops, shouldn't have put out the uh, actual theater, but that's most likely where it's going to be showcased. And the actual event that'll be done at that theater will then be attached to the documentary. So the video will be expanded with the event about the event about the, ev- the, the doc. So, like a doc within a doc. So taking a five minute piece and turning it into like a, 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 a seven to twelve minute piece hopefully, and then we'll put that and then once it's done and completed we'll throw it up on YouTube. So I'm just it's a mess and it's the one thing right now that's keeping me focused on you know staying the course because it's been a it's been a tough few weeks basically um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be another tough month for me. Um, so I'm working on that right now and hopefully this this little this project really does turn turn over something for me because it's definitely something different that i haven't ventured into i haven't had a chance and i've done some you know obviously i've done some nonprofit work as far as working with hero pups and stuff like that but this is completely different completely different topic uh and i have i haven't had a chance to dive into some of the more serious stuff with hp you know and maybe i never will i don't know it's just that this i i did i got my you know my foot in the door with that and learned how to work with a nonprofit organization and, and how to you know showcase that stuff. And then now I've got the opportunity to possibly do this one. I, I don't know how to word it. I've just been, you know, my head in the screen trying to cut here and add here. And, and it's, it's much harder when you not only don't know anything about the topic, but you didn't shoot the video, you weren't there, and the quality of the footage is not good. And it's like, okay, here you go. Make a casserole. We'll see. I I gotta review I gotta have it reviewed by a buddy of mine and then we'll go from there. So anyways. Um look, this has been a mess this week. I don't I gotta double check the video feed or not the video feed, the audio feed to make sure the audio feed's good because I brought this stuff to go do some audio editing, so I disconnected it in and apparently it doesn't look that good on the screen. I don't know. I gotta look into all of it. I hope it's good. If it is good, you could you'll be able to download it or subscribe to my podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict google play music you can check it out you can subscribe download share it please do that um if you want to donate to this podcast go to positive sarcasm.com slash donate there's two options there one for the donate through the website or donate through paypal so you can go there and absolutely do that you can find me on twitter at pos sarcasm instagram at positive underscore sarcasm facebook.com slash positive sarcasm you can uh you can Q a through all that stuff if you want to send me questions you can also go to positive sarcasmcom slash and hit the con- hit the contact button positive sarcasm at outlookcom you can uh, it streams every week positive uh, twitch TV slash positive sarcasm one and if you have other questions or comments I have other things that I was looking at but I'm gonna cut it short this week it's not really short it's now in one minute so look I'll keep taking punches uh, and hopefully I keep coming back for more Um... But, yeah, I guess we're done for this week. I'm going to go figure out this mess, and uh, hopefully I can, uh, I can, I don't know, turn water into wine or something palatable. Anyways, we're done here. Um, I will talk to you guys next week. If you have any other questions or comments, you know by now how to hit me up. Subscribership has been up, so I really don't want to fuck this up. Subscribership is up significantly. So, please, do whatever you can do, okay? I appreciate it. Um, just want to say thank you to whomever has been helping me out in the meantime, and uh, I will uh, talk to you guys. Yeah, okay, we're gonna cut it short. All right, we're done here. Uh, thank you to everybody who was tr- streaming on Twitch and everything like that. And I will talk to you guys next week. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you know how to hit me up. All right, we're done. This has been a positive sarcasm. Peace, peace.